Those of us remaining in here this morning, uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn there to Matthew chapter 7. If not, you can find our passage printed in the bulletin you got on the way in. As you're turning there, I want you to think to yourself honestly, if you're someone who is able to ask for help. What does that feel like to you when, when you in and of yourself don't have what you need and you have to ask someone else to give you something that you need because you can't get it on your own? That's really difficult for me. My, my default mode is to be as absolutely self-sufficient as possible, to not need anything from anyone, to not ask for anything, and that is not a virtue. That's not a good thing. We were not made to live like this. How is that for you, asking? All right, what about with God? Are you able to ask God for things? Uh, if you're someone who prays, what kind of things do you ask for in prayer? And to maybe come at this from a different angle, do you think God wants you to ask for things from Him? We're in a series right now in the Sermon on the Mount, which is all about the way of Jesus. And in this famous teaching, Jesus, he's sitting up on a hillside and his closest friends, his disciples, are sitting in the front row right in front of him. And at this point in the sermon, lots of crowds have gathered around. And there's all kinds of people in these crowds. There's believers, non-believers, skeptics with doubts and, and questions. There's the super religious people who thought they knew everything and had all the answers. They got really upset with just about everything that Jesus said. And as he speaks to this crowd, he's actually, he's speaking to us too. And, he, and throughout the sermon, he's gotten into all these details that we don't like him to get into in our lives. He speaks into things like our anger and how to keep our word when we make a promise and how we use our sexuality and how we use our money. And this morning he's talking about prayer, which is the second time he's spoken on prayer in this sermon. And he's going to focus on our asking. This is Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? The Word of the Lord. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. And what we need most this morning is to hear from You. So Spirit, would You speak? Even as we confessed from the larger catechism, we, we need this Holy Spirit to, to allow the Scriptures to come alive and to do their work in us. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The movie Yesterday is uh, a movie about a family whose uh, parents, um, back in the day uh, when they were young and dating and married without kids, they were like really fun-loving, easygoing, totally laid-back parents who were not afraid to take risks and to try things and to do things and to just give stuff a shot. Fast forward to the present day when this movie takes place. They now have children 
and their lives feel more complicated and complex and difficult. And so uh, they have become these really strict and restrictive parents where they always say no to their kids every time their kids ask them for anything. They always are telling them no. They're always telling them to be careful, not letting them do things because it's too dangerous. And, and it gets a little bit out of control and they end up talking to this guidance counselor and this guidance counselor recommends that these parents give their kids what's called a yes day. And there are a few parameters to this yes day, but not many. Basically the way it works is for a 24-hour period, the kids get to ask the parents for whatever they want and the parents have to say yes. The parents have to do it. Again, few parameters, but not many. And so that sets the whole uh, scope of this whole movie. Some of the highlights of this yes day that you see in the movie, um, the kids get to dress their parents in the morning. They make them wear the most ridiculous outfits. And what are the parents? The parents have to say yes. So they end up wearing these outfits. Uh, they go for breakfast to an ice cream shop and they get a $40 ice cream sundae, which if you eat the whole thing, I think in 30 minutes you get it for free. And that's a really funny and gross scene in the movie. Um, and then uh, one of my favorites was after they, they do the ice cream sundae, they drive through a car wash with all the windows down because the kids asked. The parents had to say yes. It's stuff like that nonstop. And for the most part, the kids are in control of the day. Whatever they ask of their parents, the parents have to say yes. Is that what our passage is saying about God? That whatever we ask of him, he has to say yes. At, at first read, this passage can feel shocking. Or maybe, if we're honest, it can just feel untrue. Um, it, it might feel experientially untrue based on our past. Or maybe we read it and it just, it just seems so good to be true that we, we kind of gloss over it. And maybe even within the Sermon on the Mount, um, we focus on other areas that require more work on our end. Because we, we can relate to that where there's like something for us to do. But this idea of asking God for something and him saying yes and giving it to us, it, it, we're just not comfortable there. What do we make of this passage? Let's think about this under two headings this morning. Let's talk about first our asking and secondly our Father's response. So first our asking. Let's think about our asking in a few different ways. What does our asking reveal about us? Think about yourself for a minute. If you pray, what do you ask God for? Do you ask? For many of us, uh, we don't ask God for things. That's actually the main thing that Jesus is speaking into in this passage. He seems very adamant that we actually ask God for things. So why don't we? Uh, sometimes we're just too timid to ask. Or maybe we'll ask God for kind of small things. Or maybe sort of generic things. Uh, that, we, that it sort of feels okay to ask for, but maybe are not that measurable, so we don't really know if and how God is going to answer it. Um, but we can almost blush when we think about asking God for something big and truly life-changing. We start to get a little timid. Um, think about the experience when you're a kid and you're at a friend's house and you're really hungry, and maybe this friend's house, yeah, they're the family with all the good snacks, I've learned from my kids that we are not that family with the good snacks. Some of y'all's families are the ones with the good snacks. But you know the feeling. You're really hungry. You're at your friend's house and you see the snacks. You're like, I want the snacks. But you feel weird about asking for the snacks. You want your friend to offer. You don't feel like you could ask for it. Why? You feel a little timid, right? 
Those are their snacks. It's not really yours. You don't really have a claim on those. Can you ask for the snacks or not? Sometimes we approach God that way. We just feel too timid. We feel like we're putting him out if we ask him for something really big. Why else don't we ask? Sometimes we just don't believe that God's going to give us what we ask for. And maybe there are past experiences behind that. Um, I've seen multiple situations where groups of Christians or churches were desperately praying for something. Praying, fasting, begging God to heal someone, a child, a parent, a friend, and he doesn't heal them, and they die. Or a single person begging God for a spouse, or uh, parents who long to have a child of their own begging God that they could conceive a child, and it doesn't happen. Um, No matter how much faith you have, that can feel like an impossible situation to navigate with God. Why did he not answer? He could have. Uh, He could have easily, but he didn't. Why? And when that lingering why is a part of your story, that absolutely shapes how you approach God. Where you think, you know, it, it just didn't seem like he answered me in the past. Why should I ask him now? Maybe another reason we don't ask is that sometimes uh, we would just rather handle things on our own. Maybe you're just not the type of person who asks. Instead, you just figure out a way to get things on your own. You're someone who makes things happen. You just don't, you don't dare ask other people. Maybe we feel like we don't deserve it. We don't feel worthy to ask because why would God want to give us something good? We're not worthy of that. These could be some of the reasons that we don't ask. Um, What is this passage saying about our asking? How should we ask? Um, The main image that this passage gives us that's to shape how we think about our asking is the way of a child asking a parent for something. Look at verses 9 through 11. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Um, The posture of our asking should be like a child asking their parents for something. How do children ask for things? So my oldest daughter is about a year and a half away from being driving age. And so we've started slowly to have conversations about vehicles for her. And, uh, and not long after our first conversation uh, about the, the type of vehicle that, that, that might be a, a good fit for her, uh, after we had that conversation, I got a text message from her, which is how parents and children communicate, through text message. And it was a, it was a text message with a link to a car that she really liked. And so I was really eager to open this up and see what it was. I clicked on the link, and um, let's just say that it was not the type of vehicle that you typically get for your first car. Uh, It was just a little bit out of the price range. Uh, But she didn't know that. She had no idea. She saw something that she really liked thought, this would be great. I'm going to text this to my dad. You know what? I loved getting it. I loved her asking for it. How did she ask? How do kids ask? They ask without filter. Hey, Dad. Hey, Mom. Can I have this? They typically don't overthink it. They're not thinking about the monthly budget or the long-term financial plan or the logistics of the thing. 
Kids ask without filter. How else do they ask? They ask expectantly. This is really beautiful. Kids typically ask for stuff they think they're going to get. Um, they're not thinking about all those other things that we just, all those qualifications that we just named. They ask in general think, yeah, my parents are going to get me the thing. Um, do you see how expectant verses 7 and 8 are for the asker? Ask. Receive. Seek. Find. Knock. The door opens. This is where it can make us uncomfortable because we think surely he can't mean that. But what if he does? Kids ask, not just without filter, but they ask expectantly. How else do they ask? They ask persistently. Uh, Multiple commentators who write on this passage make note of the verb tenses used for ask and seek and knock. And implies that there is an ongoing nature to all of these things. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Hey dad, can we please go to the mall today? Hey, Dad, have you thought about the mall yet? Dad, have you talked to Mom about whether we have time for you to take me to the mall today? Hey, Dad, seriously, uh, when you're done with that, can we go to the mall? Kids are persistent. Zoom out. If you were to approach God like this, without filter, expectantly, and persistently, what might that look like? Not being irreverent? Not being uh, intentionally selfish, but just without filter, expectantly, persistently. Jesus says to do that. That's the how. What good things should we ask for? This really gets at the heart of where we struggle. What can I ask God for? Is this okay for me to ask God for this? Money? Spouse? What can I ask God for? Look at the second half of verse 11. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? What does it say that God will give us? Good things. We're going to talk more about God's response in a moment, but let's think about it from our side. In the context of the Sermon on the Mount, putting ourselves literally in the seat of those disciples sitting in the front row on this hillside listening to the sermon, according to Jesus, what are the good things? Think back to Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Ask for kingdom things. Ask for righteousness. I have a pastor friend in another city who I was talking to this week, helping me think through this passage. And he said, he put it this way, he said, look, if the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon about what a mature disciple of Jesus looks like, then, then this asking comes on the heels of that and, and we're to ask of the things that the Sermon on the Mount is offering to us. So based on that, here are the good things to ask for. Ask to have the character that we see in the Beatitudes. Ask to be salt and light. Ask to live more faithfully according to God's law. Ask that God might, might make you less angry and more loving. Ask that God would give you more self-control with lust and sexuality. Ask God to help you with your words to others. Uh, Ask God to help you love your enemies. Ask God to help you love the poor and to give generously. Ask God to help you pray more. 
Ask God to help you fast regularly from a pure heart. Um, Ask God to make you less anxious and more trusting. Ask God to help you be kind and generous when you assess other people. Uh, These are good things. Beg God for these things. And guess what? He will give them to you. Start here. Ask for these things. What if you begged God without filter, expectantly and persistently to give you something like sexual purity? Or to transform your critical spirit? Or to calm your incessant worry? These are good things. All right, what about when it's less clear as to whether or not that thing you're asking for is a good thing? A good grid might be to ask ourselves internally, okay, from what I know about God, would he consider this thing I'm asking a good thing? And if the answer is yes, then ask for it. If you're not sure, then ask for it. James Clear is the author of Atomic Habits. I don't know that he's a Christian. I'm not sure where he stands with his faith, but it was a very popular book couple years ago and I saw this quote from him this week and and this is about asking other people for things he says always ask for what you want many people are happy to help if the request is direct and specific in a surprising number of cases something remarkable is possible if you have the courage to ask he's talking about with other people I think we could apply that to God as well Uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism again similar to the larger catechism just shorter Um, defines prayer this way. The first part of it, it says that prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God. When in doubt, offer up your desires to God. Ask Him for those things you desire. Remember the main point of this passage. Ask. What does this passage tell us about how God will respond to our asking? Let's talk about our father's response. The first thing we see is this. He wants us to ask. Um, We've been hinting at it, but this text is shouting this at us. In fact, all of Jesus' teaching on prayer could be summarized in the same way. Uh, Paul Miller wrote a great book on prayer called A Praying Life. Highly recommend it. Here's what he says in A Praying Life. He says, all of Jesus' teaching on prayer in the Gospels can be summarized with one word. Ask. His greatest concern is that our failure or reluctance to ask keeps us distant from God. But that is not the only reason he tells us to ask anything. God wants to give us good gifts. He loves to give. Um, Part of what, what our sinful fallen nature does to us, it drives us away from God and it prevents us from asking God, which ultimately prevents relationship with God. When my dog Max uh, eats all of his food, he'll come trotting over to me and he'll nudge me. And it's a specific kind of nudge that Max gives me when his food bowl is empty and he needs more food. And I know exactly what he's asking, by the way, that he nudges me. And I'll ask him, I'll say, hey, you need more food, buddy? And he'll kind of, his ears will perk up and he'll turn his head like dogs do and he'll start wagging his tail a little bit. And, and he'll get excited and then um, uh, I'll, I'll get him more food. And, and this whole moment with Max... His coming to me and asking, my responding, we go out to the garage together and get a scoop of food for him. We fill up his bowl. What is that? It's a moment of relationship. 
It's a moment of relationship. Imagine if Max thought I didn't want him to ask for food and just kind of laid there pathetically and hungry, thinking I didn't want him to, to ask for it. I love it when he comes and asks me and nudges me. How much more does God love it when we ask him? It's a moment of relationship when we ask God. And it is right relationship when we are fully living into the fact that we are dependent on God and that we need God to provide for us. It's a moment of, yes, uh, this is how it's supposed to go. My children bring their needs to me and they ask and I give them whatever they need. That's relationship. God wants you to ask him. He loves it. What else do we see about God's response? We see that he responds as a good father. Again, verse 11, he says, if, if you who are evil know how to give gifts, good gifts to your children, uh, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's saying that, that um, even sinful fallen parents can be decent parents and give their kids pretty good things. How much more will God, underline that in verse 11, how much more will our Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In fact, we could say that God only gives good things to his children. He only gives what is best to them. And here's part of what, what makes this so great. You know, we said earlier that we can ask God without filters on our asking. Do you know why we can do that? Because God filters our asking for us. God is not like a genie where you're granted three wishes and you get those things no matter what, whether they're really good for you or not. He's way better than that. He will filter out those things that we ask for that are not good things that are not what's best for us and our story, and he just won't give them. When I was doing college ministry, I remember a student uh, telling me that it was God's will that she was going to marry a certain boy on campus. And this is what she wanted, this is what she prayed for, and she was convinced that it was going to happen. And uh, important detail, this boy happened to be dating someone else at the time. And, um, but that didn't deter her. She was convinced and she prayed and prayed. And... Um, she believed it was going to happen. You know what happened? She did not marry this boy. This boy married someone else. She ended up marrying someone else. Both happily. Now, if God were to give us exactly what we wanted when we wanted it, um, it would have been a very different story for the student and this boy. But God knew better. So we didn't answer the prayer the way that she wanted it to be answered. He actually answered it in a better way. And just think about your own life. There are countless things where you are thanking God that he did not answer in the way that you wanted him to years ago or decades ago. Because he knows better. Um, there's safety in this childlike asking, knowing that we are not the final authority on whether or not something is good for us. God is. So we can be unfiltered in our asking of God because he will be the perfect filter for us. He's a good father. Because of this, we can ask for big things. Uh, I have a friend who keeps a list of what he calls wild prayers. Prayers that seem just like too good to be true, maybe impossible for this stuff to happen. And he bases this off of Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Um, so what would be those wild prayers for you? Maybe it's a friend or family member you, that you think would never come to faith in Christ. You just think... Of all the people, this person won't ever believe. Put them on your wild prayer list and just ask God. Maybe it's healing for someone with chronic pain. Or for a loved one to be freed from addiction. 
I have another friend that calls these Jesus-only prayers. Where if this prayer were answered, you would know this was not the work of some person, but this was Jesus' work. Here's the application. Pray that way. God wants you to ask him and let him have the responsibility of sorting out whether or not it's truly good for you. Because here's the thing about God's goodness. He is good to us when he says yes to us. And he is good to us when he says no to us. But how do we really, at the end of the day, know that our Father is good? Jesus is proof that he's good. Uh, One of the most amazing prayers in the Bible is the one that we read during our New Testament reading earlier. It's Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Here he is. Jesus knew what awaited him. That He was literally about to die. A shameful death on the cross. Real death. Imagine knowing that. And what does he pray? My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Um, His soul was so sorrowful, the text says. He was in this point of sorrow that what we see is the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, asking the first person of the Trinity, God the Father, for things to go a different way. Can this cup pass from me? And yet there's this complete surrender to say, but not my will, your will. Um, Do you see how Jesus is praying to the Father He's saying, look, I'm asking if there's another way. Father, is there another way? If not, I trust you. If not, your will be done. But is there another way? And what's the result? There's no other way. He does not let that cup pass from Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross. How does that show us that God is good? Because the story doesn't end there. After his death, what happens? He's resurrected and he walks out of the tomb and what does he do? He conquers death and he conquers sin once and for all so that we might be saved. And none of that happens without him going to the cross and dying. Do you see how we can really trust God with our prayers? Um, That even when he says no to what we want, we can trust that in some mysterious way he is doing something better. In this case... The suffering of the cross led to the resurrection and to everlasting life. Something better. And we may never know why God doesn't answer certain prayers that seem like good prayers or godly things for us to be asking of him. That may forever be a mystery to us. And it may be forever be a mystery that, that really hurts in this life. A burden that is, that is so heavy that we feel like we can never shake it. Why didn't God intervene? Why didn't he save the person I loved? Why didn't he come through in the way we were asking? We may carry that pain with us and that question with us for the rest of our lives. But back behind it, there can be a deeper faith where we know for sure that it is not because God is cruel. It's not because he's out to get us. And it's not because he doesn't love us. How can we know that? The cross and resurrection of Jesus. This is the God who did not spare his only son, but gave him to us. Why? Because he loved us. Our Father can be trusted. He really loves you. Ask. Seek. Knock. And know that your good Father is ready and willing and loves to give you good things.
Let's pray together. Father, in the name of asking boldly, we ask that we would believe this. That where our hearts feel, feel cynical, or our doubt feels too strong, or our past experience is too scarring, Father, help us to believe this. We ask that you would give us trust. We ask that you would give us faith. We ask that we could begin to be a people who ask for big, good things from you. We would do so without filter and expectantly and persistently. And that even in this asking that our relationship with you would deepen. That we would be children coming to their father. You're a good father. Help us to believe that more deeply this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.